you are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. As you saw there on the video, we're continuing our series on the gospel is for everyone. Uh, many of you already know, as I mentioned uh, last week, Pastor Morgan is on extended vacation, getting refreshed and rejuvenated. So when he comes back, we'll be ready to plow forward in what God has for us as a church. And so in his absence, we are, have the pleasure of having uh, multiple people of, of, of gifted and just uh, amazing men and women of God to get a chance to, to share this, this stage with us and, and God's word with us. And so today is going to be no, no different. Um, you're going to get the opportunity to hear from Pastor Donnell Jones. He is a man. There we go. We got some excitement over here. Uh, and so it, it, this man of faith is just a tremendous friend of our, our church. You've actually heard from him before, some of you who've uh, got an opportunity to be here in the last couple of years or so have heard from him speak. And, and uh, he's uh, born and raised in, in Washington, D.C., uh, he and his family still reside there. He became a, a, a Christian during his college years uh, and, and worked in, in ministering to collegiate and professional athletes after graduating from American University. Um, he, he continues to be the chaplain for the University of Maryland basketball and football team. And he also is the chaplain for the NABC, National Association of Basketball Coaches. He's in there doing his thing. <laughs> and so uh, he's very tall. You're probably realize that's probably why he probably played basketball. <laughs> so uh, he, he's, he's married to, the, to love his wife's name. Her name is Marianne. He has five beautiful daughters, uh, one of those being his daughter-in-law uh, and, a, and a son as well. I think they have a grandbaby now. I'm scanning the room because I do not see him. And, there we go. There we go. Uh, you know, I was sweating a little bit. I'm just like, man, I hope he show up. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I was playing it off. I was playing it off. <laughs> but y'all give it up for our friend, Pastor Donnell Jones. Good morning. Welcome to Mosaic. I have the privilege of introducing Barnabas, who's going to present the word to you this morning. And I'm really looking forward to it, to hear what God has on his heart. Wow, so good to be back. I was here a few years ago. Men's retreat, you got to go. Um, I've got four girls. I live in the Sea of Estrogen. So <laughs> testosterone is, is good stuff. I love to be there. Um, love this church. Love your name, Mosaic. The picture of heaven on earth. Thank you for your commitment to God that allows you to be committed to one another, to walk together and give people a picture of what it looks like to be multi-ethnic multicultural, multi-generational, and have one purpose. I commend you. And can we celebrate God for that? Because this doesn't happen everywhere. So good. Good friends with Pastor Morgan and Carrie. My wife and I have enjoyed time with them over the years. Love the leadership of this church. Last night, got to go out with the elders. They took me to dinner, fed me well, slept like a baby. Um, so good. And I'm happy to... Um, I'm glad to be able to uh, join with you in this series, The Gospel is for Everyone, because it really is. Um, God's heart is for everyone to be united with him. Everyone. You have never met a person who God does not cherish. Never. Even my enemies? Yes, especially your enemies. 
His heart is for everyone to be united with him. And I am utterly astonished by God's own love for us. He cherishes you. He cherishes Mosaic. And he cherishes every person who is a part of this family. He cherishes you individually. He delights in you. He is thrilled because of who you are. Not just who you're becoming, but who you are presently. He flat out loves you. My son gave me a, a gift when he was in his early 20s. It's a bronze statue. I keep it at home. Lately, I've been, you know those moments you're sitting quiet, you look up and you see something and all the memory floods back. Uh, it's a picture of a man kneeling with a boy folding over into his arms. And my son gave that to me because it is the memorial of our first meeting. He was seven years old when we met for the first time because I had abandoned him for the first seven years and denied that I had a son. And it was marvelous that God in his mercy and love restored me to him, restored my son to him and us to one another. That's what he does because the gospel is for everyone. So looking, and he's one of my closest friends now, when I was looking at the statue this week and thinking about being here, what was reverberating and has been reverberating is, Donnell, that's not just a picture of you kneeling and John folding into your arms, but that's me, the father, kneeling, and you folded over into my arms because I cherish you. And I want you to know, Mosaic, God cherishes you. But Donnell, you don't know what I've been through, but I know that he cherishes you. But you don't know what I'm going through in my marriage right now, but I know that he cherishes you. But you don't know what happened at the office. I know, but I know that he cherishes you. My relative has cancer, but I know that I know that I know that he cherishes you. Isn't that good? Just lift your hands for a second. Lord, I thank you for these great people who you cherish and who you love. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that we would all be just... <laughs> find ourselves so in you that we've lost ourselves and found you and in finding you we found who we really are not that we found you but that you found us amen Romans chapter 6 Verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, all of us, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died 
has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. That's good, isn't it? Um, through the glory of God, the glory of the Father. I don't know what thoughts come to your mind when you hear the phrase, the glory of God. Um, I know that it is not possible, humanly speaking, to fathom the depths of the glory of God. But I'm reading a book entitled Ministry in the Image of God, uh, The Trinitarian Shape of Ministry, and each chapter I read, I put the book down, I just sit back and I go, wow. It's not just a read. I, 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 it's more like something's being written on me as I'm reading. And it comes at a significant moment uh, for me. So it, thinking about the glory of God, there's one chapter entitled Glad Surrender. It's a great chapter, although I didn't feel that way at the time I was reading it. The word surrender it's a great word. But I have to be honest, when you put glad in front of the word surrender, I become mad. <laughs> Sometimes sad. Right? Because surrender is great, but, 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 but when you say glad surrender, then that's, that's messing with the way my flow of thought goes. Why, why, why does it need to be glad surrender? And what is this about? And so when I think about, you know, sad surrender or mad surrender, like, for example, me being given the privilege, and I mean the privilege and responsibility to serve God in this capacity was not something I was thrilled about. I was actually quite mad. It's not what I wanted, right? And there's a, there's a story that goes, a man was uh, talking to God and he was upset. He's like, God, would you please leave me alone? I don't, I don't want to serve you. I don't want to, I don't know. And God said, I would leave you alone, but your mama won't leave me alone. And so it's just <laughs> mad surrender, mad surrender. When I finally surrendered, God said, not with that attitude, right? Oh, God, not even the attitude matters? Yes. And so why am I that way? Why are we that way? Well, so the contrast, I, I can't even, to, to just the, from fingertip to fingertip, I can't, articulate or convey in words the vastness of the contrast between the glory of God who is sinless and our humanity sinful and yet his desire to say, I want to make you one with me. Isn't that amazing? And, and that he'll do all the work to make us one with him. For our part, it's to believe him and to believe the work that he's done. Right, So in that chapter, Glad Surrender, it just speaks about how God is self-giving. That self-surrender is at the heart of God. 
Self-surrender is at the heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And from all eternity, God in himself is a self-giving God. There is self-giving love that the Father expresses to the Son and to the Spirit. And there is self-giving love that the Holy Spirit expresses to the Son and the Father. And there is self-giving love that the, the, the Son expresses to the Father and the Spirit. I hope I got that all right. You know what I mean. But this self-giving uh, love, self-sacrificing, everything is just, they, they, it's, it's this, this dance, some theologians call, join the dance. We're being invited to be one with God, to be a part of the dance of self-giving and self-loving. And, 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 and I, I have two left feet when it comes to dancing like that. I'm more accustomed to the dance of being self-centered and self-preserving. I know that dance really good. I, I can do it all day. I can do it all day. But this dance, I, I got no skill, no skill. I, it, I can't do it. And, and, and yet he's inviting me there. And so knowing that God cherishes you, part of him being self-giving and self-sacrificing, it, it means this is his way in his nature. It's an attribute of God. And here's the beauty. Neither suffering nor death limits him in any way from being self-giving. So he's self-giving to the point of suffering. He's self-giving to the point of death. And the great historical moment that New Testament writers point to of Christ giving himself up, self-giving love, self-sacrificing, his death on the cross, the death he died, he died to sin, but the life he lives, he lives to God. This death on the cross is a historical point for all of humanity of the love that God has always expressed eternally, now being demonstrated, God's own love, not ours, his own love, being demonstrated toward us. That's flat amazing. And what we see him doing on the cross is being who he has always been, even from eternity. That central moment is not the moment he became self-giving. He's always been that way from eternity. It is who he is. Isn't that great? And suffering on the cross and death could not stop him from being God. That's that's astonishing to me. Because on the other side, the, 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 the Bible says in Romans... Chapter 3, and this is probably something you may have touched on earlier in the uh, series, the gospel is for everyone. In Romans chapter 3, it says, for all have sinned, all, Jew, Gentile, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody here aware that you fall short of it? Yeah, yeah, no deception in this room, right? (laughs) We all sinned and not falling, fall short. It's a state. And I know sometimes that word sin in the Greek, the word is harmatia, it means miss the mark. But it's not miss the mark like archery. It's not like I pull out an arrow and I go, boom, ah, missed the target. Uh, I hit the target, but I didn't get the bullseye. I missed it by three uh, millimeters, right? Then the next guy, ah, I missed it by a centimeter. Then the next guy, ah, I missed it by, you know, whatever. And then, then you, or, or as a men's retreat, when we're throwing spears, we couldn't even hit the thing. Like we... We're hitting the hay and, or whatever. We're missing everything. Like there are those who miss the target by a mile. And this is where self-righteousness comes in because you go, well, you know, I'm only two, centim- two centimeters off, right? I'm not like the guy who's way over there. Are you with me? So we measure ourselves against one another and don't realize that 
Yeah, you're in error when we do that. That shows just how far we have missed it because we're comparing ourselves to others. And we're thinking, well, Jesus is the only one who hit the bullseye, but I got close. You ever felt like, but I'm close. I'm close. Like, Lord, right? I'm close. And it's like, no, not even in the ballpark, right? So the, the thing in my heart this week is, God, I am so far from perfection, but so close to the one who's perfect. And you cherish me even in my imperfection as you perfect me through sanctification by your Holy Spirit. So if it's not archery, what's a better analogy? The same book I was telling about. It talks about a 20th century uh, medical missionary. He was given this great boat because he would do medical missions and he would, he would go to different places. And one night there was an emergency call. And so because it was dark, he had to use the compass on his boat to navigate to the place. And as he was on his way, he reached a point where he realized, I should at least be able to see the outline of land. It turns out, though, he wasn't anywhere near land. He was going further and further out in the ocean. If he had not turned back, he probably would have lost his life. So in the dark, he felt his way, navigated back home, couldn't rely on the compass. And in the morning, he checked the compass, and he realized that whoever was building the boat, when they put the compass together, they ran out of brass screws and used steel screws. So when he was navigating, he was not navigating according to the magnetic north pole. The compass was navigating to itself because of the steel nail screw. You see, it's not just that we missed this target. It's that we're something completely other than what God is like. Like sin has caused us to navigate to ourselves. So we've become self-centered. We're, does anybody have any self-centeredness in their life? I, I just, you start listing, I'm doing more good, and you list that, and I'm doing less bit bad, and you list that. But your more good, less bad list doesn't help when you're still navigating to yourself. You can do so many good things. Like, I took out the trash, I helped my neighbor feed the homeless, been on a mission. Can you imagine? He's going on a medical mission trip, which is a good thing, but he's not going to get there. He's lost because he's navigating to himself. And we were born with a sin nature, which we inherited honestly from the first man and the first woman. And so we aren't self-giving and self-sacrificial in our love. Even if outwardly there's something, but inwardly there's a desperate need for a change. And that change can only come about not by just getting a new nail. It's by dying to what we're in, the sin. And so what a, what a, what a brass screw couldn't do, what a, what, a, what a steel screw couldn't do, Jesus did by being nailed to the cross so that the death he died, he died to sin, making it possible for us now to die to sin. Isn't that good? And to be free from the power of it, even though it's still present. That's good news, isn't it? Let me tell you, this year in November, on the 23rd, in fact, my wife and I will celebrate 28 years of marriage. And man, I'm enjoying the ride. I remember the first six months, I thought to myself, God, how fortunate she is. Yeah, you know, arrogance is like bad breath. You're the last person to know you have it. Um, but I didn't stay that way. That changed. That changed. 
And I remember on our 20th anniversary, we were in New York. We were on the 50th floor, great hotel. Oh, it was wonderful. And we were just enjoying one another, having a conversation. And she's, you know, she's saying, you know, you're such a great man. You're such a great husband. You're such a great father. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and she said, um, there's something about you that, you know, I've just been wrestling with. It's not good. And she began to talk about that for about five or seven minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> how, how, long, how, how, how long have you thought of me that way? He's like, since the beginning of our marriage. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, but how can I be a good husband? Great? She said, no, you are all those things, but this. And as she was trying to, I was so confused. I went out on the balcony. It was too high, 54. Like, I need to go down to the lobby. <laughs> this is not a good moment. It's my 20th anniversary. Ah! And we had a long drive, and half of it I didn't understand, but I just listened. You know, sometimes when you're listening, you're listening to fix the problem in the other person instead of listening to understand where God's trying to change you. Learn to listen if you're married to your spouse. Not just listen to them, but listen to the Spirit of God speaking to you through them. You're a three-stranded cord. So anyway, now we're at year 27. We're about to be 28 years. And we were together recently, and she said, I've been wrestling with this thing, and, and I think I, I know what it is in you. You know, you're, you're, it's like this self-centeredness. Like, and, you know, that's like self-centered, sweetheart. And I begin to, you know, help her understand that I'm not <laughs> self-centered. And she said, well, let, she's asking, God, help me explain it to him. She said, I know what it is. Because part of it comes to like sacrificial. Like, sacrificial, I gave up a full, you know, tuition paid everything to, to law school. It was all paid for. And I walked away from that to serve God. And, and, and then I went into ministry. And so you want to talk about sacrifice. I know how to sacrifice. <laughs> we bought this house for you. I, 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 and you start running down the list. And I, and, 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 and I, and, 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 and I, and, and, and before you know it, I, 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 and you don't realize how self-centered you are <laughs> while describing how self-centered you're not. <laughs> Ouch! She said, I know what it is. You're self-preserving. I said, what do you mean? What I mean is you will choose you over me. Ready to make my defense. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, don't say a word. Go read the next chapter in the book. And I'm reading the chapter. Uh, oh, God. Surgery with no anesthesia. <laughs> this is so painful. This hurts really bad. I am dying. And he said, yes. I've been waiting to get you here. I went back to my wife. I said, you were right. She said, I know. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me so quickly. <laughs> I need time to recover from surgery. And I've been repenting. I'm in ministry 20 years. I, 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 you're self-preserving. There's another death. You need to die.
glad surrender. I think God's wanting us to move from sad surrender and mad surrender to glad surrender. Um, my son, um, when he was seven, did I say that in this service? I don't think so. It's the third service. Did I tell you about the roller coaster ride? All right. Thank you. <laughs> He's like seven or eight. We just met, and we are at an amusement park. This is going to be our first time getting on a ride together. It's the kind of ride where the bar comes down over your shoulder, and there's no floor. Your feet just hang. So we start walking in the line. Of course, it's serpentine, you know. And you see it go by. Yeah. He's going, hmm. It was sad surrender on his part. He starts to reason with me, Dad, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't know. We get closer, and then it's, no, uh-uh, I'm not, Dad, I can't do it. And I said, will you trust me? I said, I promise you, I know you're afraid, but I promise you, if you get on this ride with me, I promise you, John, we'll get off together. I got on a knee, I just, I, and it wasn't that I wanted him to ride the roller coaster necessarily. I wanted him to share in something with me that he couldn't know by just waiting for me. And he reluctantly gets in the car. He's white-knuckled grip, and you know how it goes. And they hold you there too long. <laughs> ah! He's screaming all the way down. <laughs> I always think my hands are going to hit the thing, right? And there we are. And then, come, then we come back. And he looks at me. Let's do it again. We did it three times in a row. Glad surrender, this invitation to be one with me. It's going to require that you believe and trust and that you ultimately are willing to die. But in dying, you actually live. This is what we've been invited to. We think of sometimes the losing of our life. When Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it, he wasn't trying to get us something that was outside himself. He was inviting us to participate in living this life the way he lives, that I'm constantly self-giving. I'm constantly self-sacrificing. I'm always dying to live. And you're missing out by clinging to your life. And I've paid such a great price for us to ride together. But if you don't believe me and take the step of dying to self, you'll never know the joy that has been mine with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. Anybody want to go for a ride? Learn to die. Learn to die. Learn to die. There are people here today who believe in God. Probably most everyone in the room. I think I've always believed in God. 
but I know believing him and believing that he is Lord is not the same thing as knowing him personally as my Lord. Tim Johnson, who was mentioned, one of my good friends, plays for the Washington Redskins, or did, won two Super Bowls. I know Tim, but fans know about Tim. But I know Tim, and I know Lachelle, and I know all their kids, and we've done life together for years. But everybody else knows his stats. God doesn't want you just to know his stats or know about him. He wants you to know him personally. Personally. And I feel like I'm getting to know him personally in deeper ways. But it requires a death to go there. But the letting go of your life so that you have a death like his allows him to give you a resurrection like his. Because you can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can only receive it as a gift. But for our part, we have to believe him and trust him and take that step. So if you're here this morning, whoever you are, and you think, I want to ride with him. I want to be united with him. I want that glad surrender. I want to be united with him. And for some, it's beginning a relationship with him for the first time today, even though you've believed in him before today. For others, you already believe in him and you've even confessed him as Lord, but you realize the dying part, eh, I'm usually sad or mad. So if you're in the first group, beginning or renewing a relationship and you say, that's me, as sure as I'm sitting in this seat, I know this message is for me, if not for anybody else, and I'm willing to die. I feel the grace from God to die today so that I can live. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.